right, so Joseph Smith had an experience in the woods in New York. He actually had an experience with an extraterrestrial. He probed me and then different ones of them come in and all of them probed me. And I believe that it was the Asani people. There are those who believe that life here began out there. But only an account of this earth and the inhabitants thereof give I unto you. Earth is a grand experiment. Far across the universe with a council of gods whose work and glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. For behold, there are many worlds that have passed away by the word of my power, and there are many that now stand, and innumerable are they unto man. For as man is, God once was, and as God is, man may become. You wanted to learn how to integrate duality. You wanted to learn how to take light and dark and remove all judgment. Some believe that infants who die here become eternal gods out there. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone all right welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland and this is episode 731 Return to Kolob, The Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, an interview with Reuben Langdon. Now, Reuben Langdon is an international stuntman, actor, filmmaker, and video game star who has worked on movies like Avatar, Pirates of the Caribbean, Power Rangers, Scott Pilgrim, and others. He's also the creator of the original docuseries, Interviews with Extra Dimensionals, which you can find on the Gaia channel. Now, in 2013, Ruben co-produced The Citizen's Hearing on Disclosure. Now, that was an event that brought together 40 witnesses from 10 different countries to testify in front of six former members of U.S. Congress regarding evidence that the world is being visited by extraterrestrials. To date, it's the most concentrated body of evidence and testimony ever put into one place and one time on the extraterrestrial subject. So we talk about that a little bit today, and I hope that you enjoy today's interview. I'd really like to know what you think about this topic, actually, because we're going to be exploring quite a bit of it over the next several weeks. So what do you think about UFOs, alien abductions, extra-dimensional channeling? You know, you put a peep stone in a hat and start dictating what it shows you. Who's to say that's not some extra-dimensional channeling right there? I don't know. What do you think? So come take a few minutes to fill out the new survey on extraterrestrial beliefs and add your voice to the mix. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with Reuben Langdon. 
you believe in aliens? What do you mean, aliens? Well, well, thank you so much for making time to do this, Ruben. I, I, um, sure. I, I was looking on the Wikipedia page of yours um, as you're getting ready to come on and saw that that you did some stunt work on Scott Pilgrim. I did yeah. W- were you one of Chris Evans like body doubles in that scene? Oh, looks like you're seeing double. Yeah, in that scene, I was I was the main one in the front there. He's good, right? Sometimes I let him do the wide shots when I feel like getting blazed back in my Winnie. Uh, that's actually hilarious. Cool. So so let me let me just give you a little bit of background. I don't really have much structure for okay. today. I, I really just want to get to know you and your story because I so I, I do two podcasts right now. The the main one is called Infants on Thrones, and I've been doing it since 2012. And it's mainly it it started out as a bunch of ex-Mormons that were just bitching about Mormonism. And then as I got more interested in spirituality and what's what's out there besides the religion that we were kicking the shit out of yeah i started coming across like channelers and um Mm -hmm. talking with psychics and things like that and early this this year probably in february a friend of mine mentioned your series on gaia the interviews with extra dimensionals and i watched that first one where you interviewed wendy kennedy Mm -hmm. twice this, the first night, and then again the next morning, and then a fourth time the second night. I'm like, this is this is amazing. Hey, Wendy, welcome. Can you tell us how did you get into the channeling process, and um, how did you come into contact with uh, the beings known as the Palladians? It was around 1994, mm-hmm. and I started having some visions, and I didn't really know what they were. And so I started doing some research for for that to see if it was past life related because that was what my instinct was. Mm-hmm. And I came across channeling and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know anybody who did it, but I just knew it was something that I was supposed to be doing. And then when I reached out to you, you were so kind to email me back and, and take the time to be interviewed. So I, I'm really curious to know you, your background, what got you interested in this and what have you learned? Because I'm, I'm still such a newbie to all of this and probably just the, the one thing to, to let you know about me up front I mm-hmm. I studied uh, folklore and mythology from Indiana University and my view of life is pretty much ev- any kind of story that we ever hear is some kind mm-hmm. of fiction it's it's never a hundred percent accurate or true and so I kind of take everything with a little bit of grain of salt yeah and yep. But I'm super, super curious and uh, very interested to know what you've learned. So. Um, thank you for for sharing and and yeah, it sounds like we're gonna have a fun fun uh, conversation. I was gonna say I'm the opposite, where uh, I still take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah, but I believe everything. That's interesting that you would say because yeah. as I was like anticipating what I was going to say. I was like, mm-hmm. am I going to say that I don't believe anything or am I going to say that I believe everything? <laughs> right, right. I could, I could go like that curiosity mm-hmm. that I have. I The the way that I believe everything is, I, I believe if somebody's telling me something, it's the way that they see things and there's yeah. something to that. And yeah. it's because yeah. I they know something I don't know and I'm curious to know what it is. So, yeah. So you believe you believe everything that you hear. Well, th- th- this is. I was just having this conversation this morning with a, a very uh, someone who's going to be in my show in season three, Beverly, who's a very. Uh, turns out I didn't know this until uh, I met her. 
uh, turns out she's a very powerful psychic and, mm. uh, and she's just coming to the terms, these terms that she's, uh, got special gifts and, uh, is able to communicate with, uh, beings. She sort of was doing it all the time. She just didn't, I guess, uh, talk about it publicly. And she thought she was kind of crazy. And, sure, and now yeah. she's realizing that, uh, other people are having these conversations too. And, um, so she would, everything she would say to me, she sort of followed up with that. I know this sounds crazy. I'm like, look, you're talking to Mr. Crazy here. I've talked yeah. to so many people and at, you know, being doing this for over 10 years now and, and having these conversations, I'm at the point where <clears throat> I will believe it all. Uh, and there's a famous, uh, quote from, from the, uh, from Daryl Anka who channels Bashar mm-hmm. and from Bashar that says all truths are true. Yeah. And I tend to lean towards that approach because what it does is it, it keeps the door open. You're not shutting down anything. You're kind of letting people and letting beliefs and letting ideas sort of flourish and flow. Uh, and then you can choose which one resonates with you right. and how you're going to use it, or you're not going to use it uh, by um, not by saying, well, that's, 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 you know, crap or that's whatever that's, you know, immediately you're shutting down any possibilities that that idea, that belief, that uh, story, that whatever, whatever it is could uh, present itself in your life in some positive way. So you're, you're immediately, you're shutting that down. If you're, if you're sort of um, blocking it off and I'm not saying you're doing that, but I'm just saying that um, it's, it's kind of the same thing that we're, we look at things, through these different lenses and where I'm at now, I was a uh, highly s- skeptical in my early days. And then these, these things would keep reoccurring synchronicities yeah. and the same stories I'd hear over and over again from all these different people who didn't know each other. And that was sort of the idea of the show was I was talking to all these different channelers and people channeling these beings from different realities. And the, you know, the, the, the details and the language would get, would be different. People would have different ways of expressing things. But when you got to the core of what they're trying to say and the core messages seem to be kind of the same. Yeah. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and then I thought to myself, well, if th- maybe that's where I need to focus is on the, on the bigger picture, take as much as I can in and then let the, let the people decide, let me decide what I like and let other people decide what they like. And yeah. instead of shutting something down uh, and saying, well, that's, that's, that's crap or that's, that's garbage. And, and, and I'm not going to do that. And, and I'm sure there's, there's, there is a lot of garbage and crap out there. So there's a lot to sift through, Yeah. but somewhere, someplace, somehow that crap is going to resonate <laughs> with somebody yeah. and it's going to create a positive outcome somewhere. Um, that's a nice way of looking at it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think, uh, because because the podcast Infants on Throne started as a reaction to people looking at the stories that they were told about the Mormon church and going, oh, wait a second, this isn't what I was told. And actually, I've been the the ideas of God and angels and any kind mm-hmm. of supernatural thing has always come with some kind of control, like strings yeah. attached. And so I'm going to close myself off to that as a way of protecting myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's when I've... Um, 
maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I came across Abraham Hicks. Uh, mm-hmm. The woman that I'm dating was listening to Abraham Hicks. And I'm like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And it didn't take me very long to get over that skeptical part and go, oh, I really like this. I like the core messages that are yeah. here. And then I started exploring some other things, eventually found uh, you and your series on Gaia. So I, I, I like what I'm hearing you say about this, this openness. And I'm, I'm just trying to balance in my mind as people are listening to this, if they're going to be on the side of the fence, it's like, no, I'm going to protect myself and close myself off. Or no, I'm going right. to open myself up because there's going to be something positive that comes from it, even if I can't see it, which is what I think I heard you say. In a sense, yeah. And, and you know, there, because there has been over the years and millennia, there's through religion, there has been so much manipulation. Yeah. And taking advantage of people believing in certain things. So there is, I think, this, this cautionary um, knee-jerk reaction, uh, especially when it comes to things that we can't see in these esoteric ideas and in religion and, and, and this kind of thing. Um, it, it, it's in our blood because there's a lot of uh, trauma that's yeah. happened over the centuries uh, from having different beliefs or following certain cults or, you know, different things have had led to some really bad, bad outcomes. Yeah. So we, uh, I think in our DNA and genetically, we've put up barriers um, for protection, you know, uh, for, out of self-survival. So, it, which is great. But I think now we're at a point where we can say, look, if we're not, when we can uh, accept other people and where their beliefs are uh, and, 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 and sort of lose the judgment on it, it opens us up to a whole other ballgame of different types of, uh, of, of teachings. Um, and then, but it also sort of puts us in the position where we do need to be discerning and to understand what's going to work for me may not work for someone else. Yeah. And, and I think that's the big lesson here is uh, there is no one gospel truth yeah. for, for anybody. Uh, I, I, I'm, I shouldn't say not anybody, but any group or, 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 or um, nation or world or reality, you know, it's, there's so many different perspectives and ways of looking at things and everybody's going to get something different out of it. Yeah. So, by sort of releasing this fear of putting up a wall simultaneously, you're also releasing your judgment of others and their explorations into other modalities. So that's the positive side, I think um, of, of the uh, sort of uh, going down this path with an open mind and an open heart uh, is, is that you allow others to do the same. I love that. So I, I, I want to get into some of these messages. You've touched on a, a few of them here, but I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit about your background. You, you mentioned that you, you used to be very skeptical. W- were you religious when you were growing up at all? Um, and, and then w- what was your transition getting into martial arts and what, what you've done uh, with stunt work and, and acting? Yeah, so I, I grew up uh, in sort of a broken family, uh, which is sort of normal now for, for you know, I guess my generation. Uh, my dad was a, a hardcore Christian, uh, sort of Baptist, uh, born again Christian. He went that route. And during my younger years, when I was uh, like in my um, 
elementary school years, my mom uh, divorced my dad because she was wanting to explore more metaphysical ideas. Mm -hmm. And she actually went into a full extreme and she got caught up in a cult. Wow. And, um, and again, I was polarized between these two cults. I'll call them both cults because one Mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, going, going to church every Sunday religiously and, um, you know, going through all the, the ceremonial, uh, aspects that that has it's its own rituals and different things in its own right and then my mom got caught up in this new age cult that thought the uh, end of the world was coming mm-hmm. so i would spend time between the two um and just thinking okay all of you guys are crazy i'm not into any of this stuff and that's when i started uh just really um becoming fascinated with martial arts uh bruce lee and Jackie Chan. And then the philosophy of Bruce Lee was what really started getting me in, in, in the martial art path, the, the martial way, which is um, very disciplined. And coming from, I had a fascination with, with Japanese culture and, and language. And that led me to Japan at the young age of 19 to, uh, to study um, not martial arts per se, but just to be in the culture and be in the, in the, um, in that world. And of course, everywhere I looked, there was martial arts schools and dojos that I could train in. So I thought, well, I'm here uh, in the States where I grew up in Atlanta, rural, rural Atlanta, Georgia. And at the time there wasn't a whole lot of um, uh, martial arts available to, to learn. So I just got together with friends and we would go and, and, and drive an hour or two to some of the schools and just watch through the window. We, we never, uh, never really subscribed to any specific uh, martial art until I got to Japan. And my first uh, martial art that I started was uh, I saw a sign for free Aikido lessons. Mm. So I started taking Aikido and then uh, I realized uh, I, at the time I was there, work, I, I, I kind of ended up working on an army base for uh, visa reasons, just to mm. get a visa. And uh, then I realized that that wasn't going to last very long because I started butting heads with some of the, the military higher ups. And then, um, but then I found that I could get a visa from studying Aikido if mm-hmm. I went to the main school and, and did it daily. And I was like, well, that's a win-win. I love martial arts uh, and, and I love Aikido and I can get a visa for doing that. That's, that's awesome. <clears throat> so, uh, and eventually I, I was training every day and eventually I just moved closer to Tokyo and was uh, uh, sort of did that for a couple of years until I booked a role on a TV show out there. Um, kind of like Power Rangers, you know, I'm in this Power Ranger world. And uh, I was the first uh, white guy to transform into, you know, this superhero uh, suit thing. And uh, then I immediately I fell in love with with that job. I was like, wait, martial arts, acting, yeah. uh, fighting, you know, bad guys in rubber suits and becoming <laughs> a superhero. This is awesome. Of course, I want to do that for the rest of my life. Um, and and then during that time, while I was living in Japan, I just continued my studies in philosophy and martial arts through through Bruce Lee's teachings. He, he became an, even more of an influencer when I was there in Japan and I found that I started hanging out with like a lot of the Japanese uh, martial art clubs that also idolized Bruce Lee. I didn't realize he was so big throughout the world, even in Japan. And um, then eventually made my way to Hong Kong 
uh, out of the love for Hong Kong action cinema and uh, obviously Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung. And then I started working in that industry uh, pretty early on and uh, ended up working with Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung, my idols. Oh, cool. And uh, and actually ended up living with Sammo Hung in his backyard in his... Uh, Sammo Hung was... Uh, back in the day, he was one of the more... Um, uh, well-known martial arts superstars. He had a TV show in, in uh, early 2000s, 1999, 2000, uh, called Martial Law. He's this sort of this heavy set guy, hmm. but can kick ass and do amazing things. And he actually was good friends with Bruce Lee when he was young. So to hear him talking about Bruce Lee uh, at the dinner table and, and to, I, I remember just my jaw dropping and yeah. hearing this this guy actually hung out with my biggest idol uh and and talk about the philosophies and different things so that's sort of my path that got me into sort of martial arts philosophy and then into action cinema um and then eventually i ended up working on films like avatar um and power rangers as i said and then a lot of video game work Mm -hmm. and um had my own company production company doing video game uh production and and uh a lot of motion capture work just like with avatar and uh then i had an experience where i saw some ufos in the middle of the day um while, while i was working it was during the period i was working on avatar in 2007 and uh then i was just blown away and wanted to figure out what i saw and uh, then I started opening the door and looking up uh, UFOs and different things. And then I realized that there was a whole other world that I was oblivious yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, that's, that's when, uh, as my good friend Jeremy Corbell would say, that's when I started weaponizing my curiosity. Uh. The 2019 footage obtained by filmmaker Jeremy Corbell. My good friend, Jeremy Corbell. Jeremy Corbell, who last month released another video of an upside down pyramid UFO hovering above a Navy destroyer. This is part of a much larger series of events that we're going to be learning about. And, and, uh, and I know Jeremy from, from martial arts. We were good friends uh, from the film and martial art world. He would uh, get hired on some of the film productions I worked on. And he would teach me his, uh, he was at the time, he was kind of no way more well-known then than now uh, for martial arts. And now he's known as like the ET guy. Um, but uh, he, he was teaching quantum jujitsu and he had some really uh, flashy jujitsu. I've never heard that yeah, phrase before. That was his, that was his like uh, stamp on it. Oh, he was, nice. He was a jujitsu <laughs> practitioner. He had schools. Uh, he was teaching a lot, a lot of, um, really well-known uh, figures at the time in the and who became more well-known in the MMA world. Mm. And uh, he and I became buds. And then I found out that he was into UFOs. And then uh, we started talking and chatting. And then eventually that led to um, meeting some influential people in the UFO world and going into uh, creating the and producing the citizen hearing on disclosure. The conclusion I've come to is incredibly wild, that those in charge have been successful in keeping secret the greatest story of mankind. The evidence is overwhelming that Earth is being visited by intelligently controlled extraterrestrial spacecraft. The CIA guy standing next to me says, we're confiscating all this data 
And you're all sworn to secrecy. They've all been studying this. They have more data than I do. So the, the government has dumped disinformation and, and misinformation into the field for decades. They've undermined research. I, I have lost the faith in representative government. I, I truly think we're in gridlock. It doesn't work. And so we need to make a change. Creating the and producing the citizen hearing on disclosure, which was a five-day event in Washington, D.C., um, which now we're just now re-releasing um, every Friday. We're releasing a, a new episode. And it was a, uh, a t- 20 episodes, of, uh, over 32 hours of testimony. Um, all these ex-military and government officials came together and uh, testified in a mock congressional hearing with in front of six former members of Congress and one senator uh, to the fact that we're being engaged by an extraterrestrial presence. So a lot of uh, really good juicy um, military testimony and a lot of evidence-based stuff that people who really need that uh, proof, uh, it's, it's there. And uh, you, to see the transformation of, of the Congress members over the course of, of uh, these five days and to see all this evidence just dumped on them and then just, you know, to hear their questions, it's, it's quite a profound um, introduction into this world and I, I i call it the abcs of ufology so if anybody yeah. is just coming into this world to really sit sit with that information well this is that this is news to me i i oh, okay I kind of yeah i i like like i said i've really just kind of dipped my toes in um yeah. uh i i i saw a friend of mine recommended close encounters of the fifth kind i think mm-hmm. and i in, in that one he mentioned that there had been some disclosure with the government but i when i heard that i wasn't familiar with it that's what you're talking about here uh yes uh, well I, close encounters fifth kind there i think there was a couple quick clips they did mention it uh so danny sheehan who was uh one of the prime you know uh stephen greer danny sheehan they're both yeah, in yeah. the here in the hearings mm-hmm. Um, there was many, many witnesses, a lot of basically the who's who of ufology. Then a few of the guys have passed on. They were kind of up there in age. Um, the late great Stanton Freeman, he was one of our witnesses. Uh, he's passed since, but yeah, it, it, it was uh, a five day conference, uh, at the national press club in Washington, DC. And a mock, again, a mock congressional hearing. The idea was to trigger, press and to trigger the media to, to take the issue seriously. Um, uh, they kind of just dabbed on it, but uh, most, I, I think it, we were a little too early. The truth and when, embargo. When did this happen? Was it 2012? 2013. 2013. Yeah. Okay. It was uh, right. April, May, 2013. And, you so know, can, we, I ba- can I back you up yeah. to 2007 when you had your UFO experience? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I, I want to tell you mine. <laughs> Okay. And yeah. it's, 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 it's hardly anything, but I was, a, I was a teenager living in Tempe, Arizona, had a friend over in the backyard. We're both laying down, looking up at the sky. We see these three, these five lights come together in the sky into like one single light. And I turned to him, I'm like, did you see that? He's like, yeah, did you see that? And then we're watching this thing kind of like just hover. And then all five of them separated and they, they went back exactly the same way that they did before. And that's really the only time I've ever seen anything like that. But I'm like, that was something. I don't know what that was. So, Were so you how in, does in Arizona for the '97 Phoenix Lights? Uh, in '97, I was in Indiana, 
at that okay. point. But yeah, so I wasn't there. But I'm back in Arizona now, and, and uh, I always keep my eyes peeled to the sky. Yeah, so, it's a so hot what, spot. What was what was your experience like in 2007? Uh, mine was in the middle of the day, and I just saw these little. Uh, it wasn't very cool like what you just described it was just mm. seeing these these little um specks in the sky and they kind of looked like stars if if you could see stars in the middle of the day if you could imagine what that looks like um, so bright white, bright lights bright white lights in the sky uh it seemed they were as far away as kind of if stars were were, were in the sky so but they were in a cluster and they started they sort of appeared i saw a couple and then more appeared and then there was about 30 uh, 30 or 40 or whatever. And then I just watched them for a good 45 minutes or so wow. until they started disappearing one by one until they were all gone. And that was enough. That's all I needed to really, uh, you know, I, because of the metaphysical world my mom was in, I had heard of the concept that we were being visited by ETs. Uh, she had mentioned that I never really took her seriously. Mm. Um, I, I just kind of laughed at the idea and, and um, was like, whatever, maybe, you know, I wasn't denying it completely, but I wasn't really like, okay, show me the proof kind of thing. And, yeah. and then after that event, after that sighting, I was like, okay, I guess ETs are real. And, and I had thought that night that it was going to be all over the news that, every, that this is, you know, a global event that people saw across the, 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 the continents and to my surprise at that time, there was nothing. And I was like, mm. I, I know I wasn't hallucinating. Um, up until that point, I had uh, never taken any hallucinogenic drugs. So, I, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or even really been drunk uh, or, or had any alcohol in my system. So I, I, I was like this, you know, I was a very hardcore um, martial artist and training yeah. diligently. That was sort of my life. So I was on a very straight as an arrow path. And, uh, and at that time I was like, okay, something's, something's different here. My reality just got jolted. So I really started looking into things from then. Yeah. So do you have a sense now of, because again, like I said, I've just dipped my toes into this. So I, mm -hmm. I really don't know a lot, but I've listened to mainly Wendy Kennedy stuff. Like I just, yeah. after I saw that She's interview good. with her. I've just been That's devouring great. her stuff and and listening to what she talked about these stellar connections and all of these different groups in the galaxy and mm -hmm. so do do you have a sense of who or what those ETs were that you saw back in 2007? Actually no, you know I never really uh asked that question mm. specifically. Um I do realize that uh you know, talking with enough experiencers and contactees that a lot of these events happen. So other people can't see them or, or maybe we're, we're just meant to see them at these specific times to activate us, mm. to bring us into, uh, to sort of get us on a path down a certain direction. And uh, I'm, I know for sure if I had not seen those on that day, those objects, uh, I would be on a very different path than I am yeah. on now. So, uh, so that was a, a cornerstone, a, a tipping point in my, uh, direction of, of, of how I, you know, my exploration, um, because all of a sudden, you know, at the time my goal was like, I just want to make cool movies and, you know, mm -hmm. I was working on avatar and I was curious and I, my, I guess my mind was already, I was starting to be, uh, massaged a little bit about what, 
about my the, the idea of what is reality. Um, during the filming of Avatar, there was a lot of downtime because uh, computers were crashing. Uh, Jim Cameron was really pushing the envelope when it came to the technological aspects of of the motion capture and and uh, uh, CGI and everything and 3D. And uh, so there, it was more often than not that we'd be in the middle of a scene and then the whole computer system would just crash. And then it was like, all right, talent, go back to your, you know, holding cell or your holding uh, area. And uh, at the time YouTube was just getting online and there was, uh, and I remember watching Stephen Greer's first disclosure project that happened in 2001. I didn't hear anything of it. This was like 2000 five, six, um, up to 2007. And I, I was seeing all of this stuff on YouTube. YouTube was in the early days, uh, unlike the censorship now, it yeah. was quite um, an amazing tool for, to, to see videos, to access uh, things that, you know, in that time we'd have VHS tapes or DVDs from Netflix uh, that we'd get through the mail. So we didn't have right. this, yeah. this uh, streaming, this way to stream and, and, and take content and instantaneously deliver it uh, from peer to peer. We didn't have that technology um, or it was just getting started. So you, there was all kinds of amazing things like the zeitgeist films. Um, I remember watching those. Yeah. Loose change. And these kind of films were really, I was just getting into them and I was like, okay, maybe this is real. Maybe this isn't, but whatever it is, uh, definitely nine 11 was a big wake up call. Yeah. Uh, so there was, I started having a different view of reality uh, just from my exposure from, from, from that stuff. Simultaneously, I was also working on this film where um, I had my homework was to learn how to be a Navi. And the Navi were all based on all, I will say, all of the indigenous cultures from around the world. We had um, in, the, in the holding rooms, we'd have um, pictures and artwork and of all kinds of different indigenous cultures, their dresses, um, their, their jewelry, um, how they, uh, some of their weaponry. Um, and how they use some of that weaponry to, to, or uh, tools for like gutting a fish and these kinds of things. So I, I had to learn how to be a Navi and I had to study all these different cultures to, uh, to do my job. The, the, the Navi are the, 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 the blue skinned creatures in Avatar? Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So, so, uh, so here I was learning how to be a Navi learning in turn, learning about our own indigenous cultures that they were yeah. based off of. Um, and then, and then actually interacting with, uh, Jim would bring in different Indo indigenous cultures into the set. We had Maori tribes, we had, uh, native Americans, um, we even had some Peruvian folks come over and, uh, talking with these people and learning about their different views of reality and, and different ways of seeing, uh, life. So I was getting primed and, and massaged. And then, then this, this, this event happens in 2007 which really was like a big slap in the face to, yeah. to get me on, on this path of really exploring and figuring out. Okay. And, and, and really the driving force with me was I'm curious about all of these different beings and, and, and uh, what's going on here, but uh, and, and why they're here and all that. But really it's, I, I want to, I wanted to figure out the mechanics of reality. Uh, how does, 
how does this work? How does this simulation, how does this game, how do, you know, there's many titles for this. How does this hologram, uh, what are the mechanics of it? And then that's what got me into, uh, you know, Nikola Tesla and his work and uh, quantum studies and, and uh, different, you know, Niels Bohr and, and, and just really going down the rabbit hole uh, and more than just what the ETs were telling me. Yeah. Simultaneously doing so, I was doing indigenous uh, medicine journeys um, yeah. with ayahuasca, San Pedro, yeah. and, and uh, mushrooms. And then I was getting all these downloads, talking to the ETs through this channeling modalities. Then I'm going uh-huh. and hanging out with the indigenous, and, and or I'm also hanging out with uh, um, quantum uh, researchers and trying to figure out, you know, um, d- you know what is what is the quantum field, different states. Uh, um, and, and really kind of taking it all in. And <laughs> that's where I've been going down. This is the playground yeah. that I've stumbled into yeah, yeah. you're describing here, Ruben. You, you've, you've gone far deeper down that rabbit hole than I have, but I, I just, I love everything that you're describing. And I, I just want you to dump it all on me. So what, have, what did you learn? <laughs> well, what have you learned? <laughs> oh, it's still learning. Uh, yeah. Let me let me point you some directions. Uh, some of the people who I think are are spot on right now from all my research: uh, Robert Grant, who works with Nassim Haranim, and um, his what he's discovering with math is yeah. is is phenomenal. And uh, now I you think, mentioned N- Nassim Haramin. I've I've seen mm-hmm. some of his uh, episodes that he has on Gaia. Okay, I, have, I haven't finished all of them, and. And, and he's a theoretical physicist, but he's kind of outside of the academic yeah, he, structures. He's a little hard guy to follow. Um, I don't follow his work directly as much as his colleagues. And it's Robert uh, Grant was Robert Grant okay. is, is one of his colleagues. Um, Adam Apollo, who's been on the show, also works with Nassim and, and Robert and is part of that team, the, the Renaissance Renaissance resonance foundation mm. um they're doing some really breakthrough uh stuff when it comes to technologies math um i think because of the view they have they're kind of as we open the show talking about all truths are true or having this open heart they're sort of looking at the world that way and then and then disregarding the stuff that doesn't fit and doesn't work yeah. so so um when it comes to scientific breakthroughs and mathematical formulas and these kinds of things. They're really on the cutting edge, I believe. The thing I remember hearing about Nassim and what drove me to him in the first place, there's a Dr. Zach Bush. Are you familiar with that? Loves it. Um, Dr. Zach. Yep. He's, yeah, he's amazing. I, a friend of mine sent me maybe three or four podcast interviews of him and just loved that guy. And he mentioned Nassim in one of them, the, this thing about black holes and where right. if, if you look really uh, microscopically it's the yeah. I think the, the protons in an atom are all like mini black holes that are conduits for communication and intelligence being communicated yeah. and such an interesting yeah. idea yeah that's what kind of put Nassim on the map in the mainstream scientific community because he wrote a white paper he sort of figured out the, the the formula and the math behind it and was able to sort of prove it to a certain extent mm-hmm. as far as we could with the in the, theoretically and with the formulas, so uh, the scientific community was sort of forced to uh, to take his out there ideas um, with a little more gravitas. He, mm. he started having more gravitas in that world. Uh, I think most of the scientists, mainstream scientists out there, still kind of laugh at his yeah. stuff. But 
that's mostly because there's been a um, uh, in the in the mainstream scientific community there's been this uh, dogma of uh, following this certain paths that you know lead to the most funding and uh, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I think, I think that's where you know scene was really following his heart and following science as opposed to following the the, the numbers and and uh, who's going to pay him the most so there's been a little bit of a separation there. And, and then again, in, in that dogma world, they're taught through the money to uh, shun and, and exclude anybody who's not following this, you know, this group. It's, yeah. it's a very, become a very, uh, you know, like high school games, the way that yeah. scientific community is, is operating in these days, universities and stuff. So, but we're, we're, we're seeing a collapse in all of that uh, as, uh, as we should just, I think natural evolution is going to put the human race and put us all in, in the direction of the, uh, the most, um, productive and least resistant path. Um, and, and I think that's where like guys now, uh, like Nassim and these guys are going to really start to shine because, uh, we've been sort of stifling them and, 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 you know, it, it was for a long time, it was pain to, to go along a certain uh, ideology or thought matrix where now as that system, as that pain system, as the money itself is collapsing. Uh, so does the, the, the truth embargo, as I was saying earlier, which was on the uh, two, you know, what, what we've been dealing with, with the ET UFO stuff through uh, 2013 till now as that all of the money is it's I think it comes down to money and um, the reason we've had so many barriers and walls is because of what people place their value systems on uh, over the years this information is is ancient information DTs have been visiting this forever it's just it's just now people are starting to value things differently than they used to so now uh, the old walls and the systems in place that kept uh, that old system going uh, are crumbling. So now we can put our attention somewhere else. We can put it into the idea that extraterrestrials or extra dimensional beings are visiting us, uh, yeah. that w- there is a lot more to reality than just the physical, uh, uh, you know, physical objects that we can hold and touch and, and, uh, and go buy in the store. And yeah. take home that that that's that's part of this. Uh, um, I'd say the biggest through line going back to the series, the biggest through line, the biggest teachings that I've learned and continue to learn through this whole uh, journey is humanity is going through a major transformation, um, and this only comes around every thirteen thousand or twenty six thousand years, and um, and this time around, <clears throat> this time around. It seems that we're going to go up to the next octave. Uh, I call it octave. It could be uh, a lot of times in the show, we call it densities. We're moving from third density to fourth density. Uh, There was a time when we moved from fourth density to third density. Um, There's a possibility we could stay in lower third density or upper third density or lower fourth, upper fourth. And densities is sort of a way to measure states of consciousness. And in the show, I talk about how, uh, or we talk about with the other beings, how uh, the chakra system 
rainbows, uh, frequencies. These are kind of ways to, to measure these densities. So first density correlates with the, uh, the red or the lower chakra um, uh, spectrum. Um, it also is a measure of, of like uh, rocks and minerals. And that consciousness is, uh, doesn't have the, the uh, thought processes that we would see in, in ourselves or in other, other life. Second density would be more of the plants and animals. So we can actually see there's a, there's a cellular uh, um, uh, structures that are, that are changing and, and uh, responding to stimuli, responding to, uh, uh, um, you know, words, actions, thoughts, um, and, and that's more in the plant and animal realm. And then we as third density beings um, have been on the upper end of the third density have been doing you know, coming from just, you know, uh, animalistic ways of doing things to now we're uh, having this, this uh, power to intellectualize and, and think and use tools. And, and then uh, we're moving into this fourth density reality where um, we are now able to be more in touch with the emotional body and connect with each other through eventually to tell empathic communication, uh, telepathy, um, we'll be able to communicate with other density realities, lower density realities, and see the, the trueness of what they are. So animals, uh, honoring the animals and honoring plants, as well as the, 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 the rocks and the minerals, but seeing consciousness in these different levels and what it is, uh, and this is where our indigenous cultures had uh, more of a connection to these uh, different states of consciousness. They were able to connect with them. And this is why you, in a lot of the indigenous teachings, they talk about, you know, the spirit of the bear or the wolf uh, archetype um, and, uh, and honoring the land and, and giving the offerings. And there was a lot of um, uh, interaction with uh, spirit and, and, um, and anything they did, you know, from cooking to planting to, to even just walking into the forest, uh, they were, there was a, an awareness that they would walk with that, uh, we seem to be lacking or just remembering now. Um, so they were, uh, it was said that many indigenous sort of, uh, held a, a closer to a fourth density consciousness as, as long as they could on earth until the day that earth would itself in, in general collectively move into that, into that reality. And, and that's where the, that's what sort of the series focuses on. It seems like everybody, no matter what planetary system they're from or, or what uh, dimensional realm they're they're the, these beings come from, they're all talking about this big shift that humanity is going through uh, right now. So that that's sort of the biggest takeaway I would say from the show. Yeah. So, so with, with all of, I, I, I had noticed that earlier you had said extraterrestrial and then you went, no, extra dimensional. Right, right. And I think you were kind of talking about the difference between the dimensions there with the first density, second density, third, mm -hmm. fourth. Um, there is a correlation. It's not the same. Uh, yeah. Dimensions is more of like a spatial awareness uh, perspective densities is more of just a, a way to measure states of consciousness which okay. affects your 
dimensional spaceness awareness. So dimensions and densities are kind of two different states. They get confused all the time, depending on the channel or even uh, someone who, who may not have studied or research or have that vocabulary. Um, they'll use this idea, they'll say we're in the third dimension and going into the fifth dimension, yeah. Yeah. which, uh, and then you're always like, well, what happened to the fourth? Uh, uh, it is because we're actually in third density going to fourth density, but in a fourth density consciousness, you can see fifth dimensional space awareness. So yeah. there's the, the, you know, the, all the terms and things they get kind of they do joggled it, up. And <laughs> the, the thing that I've heard about it that made the most sense to me was that the, the fourth dimension is time. And so right. when, when we're, when we're kind of going, moment by moment, like you're flipping a slideshow progressing in one direction, that that's a third dimensional experience of being in a fourth dimensional place, but that the, the times are just like a placeholder. And if you're in the fifth dimension, you can kind of like look back and see mm-hmm. all, all of the time that, cause yep. was it that Einstein said something like this, all time exists all the time or something like that. It's already all out there in the fabric of space time. So from the mm-hmm. fifth dimension, you could look back and see that from the yep. fourth dimension where we're kind of operating from, we're kind of there, but we're experiencing it through this three-dimensional filter of mm-hmm. existence where we're going moment by moment forward in time. Only. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. I, okay. I got, I got something. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> yeah. So, so how has this helped you? Um, like, like we were talking about earlier at the beginning, being open and mm-hmm. connecting with people rather than being closed off how mm-hmm. how has this openness helped you in your life like what where do you see the impact for you just personally first and foremost it definitely keeps life interesting yeah, <laughs> there's, yeah. <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff you know you're constantly um being uh, exposed to different ideas and different ways of, of seeing reality and, and, and uh, different beings. And, and uh, there's never a dull moment. So uh, it, it can be overwhelming. And I've had to learn um, in the early days how to, again, put my own filters up yeah. uh, so I can navigate, you know, so I don't go insane. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. To, try to, to try to adopt every belief system there is, and uh and try to navigate that you you will go insane um so (laughs) so i think um just the the excitement of 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 never a dull moment uh i have not been bored one day since i started this journey since i saw those ufos i have not been bored a single day that's that's the positive thing you have to look forward to um the the negative downside is it can be overwhelming um the other things is the lessons i've learned um from the the teachings you know for example you know we started by being open but let me just think of um some of the 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 other things uh that have truly made a a difference in my life so i guess coming down when it also sort of boiling it all down to to the essence is what all this research is is led me to understand is the to recognize frequency and vibration so there's a famous uh nikola tesla quote um you know if you want to understand the universe think in terms of energy frequency and vibration 
which I believe now more than ever, yeah. absolutely 100% true. Um, and we know this, even string theory talks about everything vibrating like a string. So if that's the, if that's the case, if that's the essence of the universe, then try to recognize what that is in everything you're doing uh, and not just doing, but also what other people are doing and to recognize the frequency and the vibration of everything. And when you can start to recognize what that is, you can start, that's your discerning. That's how I, what, what I use to discern uh, different uh, messages or, uh, you know, belief systems. I'll try to look at the frequency and the vibration, boil it down to, okay, uh, is this something uh, that I want in my life? What is my ideal? What is my, the best idea of reality that I could possibly think of? Uh, and does this uh, lead to that or does this take away from that? Yeah. And then if it takes away from that by recognizing the, the, the vibration, if it takes away from that, then that's, then that's a road that I'm probably not going to go down. I can say, you know what? I recognize the frequency and vibration of this right now. It may be benevolent and it may seem okay, but I can see where it's going. So, you know what? I don't, I don't need to go down that path because I can recognize immediately from the, from the vibration frequency. So no, thank you. So that I can cut those cords right away and then just focus on the things that lead to the, that I, that I feel, or I know, or I've already proven through my own journeys. Okay. This energy and this frequency and this vibration will lead to this aspect of what I think is, is, is what I believe in my reality is, is uh, primo optimum, you know, the best that I could possibly imagine. And then I just focus there. So when you, when you talk about frequency and vibration, I, I'm I'm translating that into emotions and thoughts, basically. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. like yeah. like take 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 your temperature. How are you feeling right now? Like, what are the exactly. emotions? And yeah. you know, because because my my route into this kind of took me through Dr. David Burns, cognitive distortions, cognitive behavioral therapy, learning the relationship between the thoughts that we think and the feelings that we feel. Mm-hmm. So that when I kind of came into this more like woo-woo kind of vibration energy stuff, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. we're talking about emotions and thoughts. I, I already got yeah. that. So I don't have yeah. to just dismiss that and be closed off to that right from the start. So what you're saying is that you monitor whatever you're doing at the time. How is it making you feel? What are the, what are the quality of the thoughts that you're thinking? Are they leading you into a place that's someplace that you want to be that's expanding? Mm-hmm. Um, or mm-hmm. is it? Is it restricting, limiting, um, right. fearful, those kinds of things? Yeah, pretty much. And, yeah. and uh, so, and, and also belief systems. So, mm. uh, so this is, this has come through some of the channeling work that I've really resonate with is that we, uh, we are products of our thoughts, uh, emotions, and our beliefs. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately our actions is what put, what, what, what really solidifies uh, those into the physical world. So uh, the beliefs being the, the bottom structure, you know, of, of this. So because of how, what we believe, and this is why going back again to the, how we opened the show with, with uh, having an open mind and open heart, um, that's, that's, that's the structure, that's the foundation for how you respond uh, with your thoughts and your emotions, because uh, 
one person can have a, a different belief structure and they're going to get triggered from their thoughts and their beliefs in a completely different way than someone with a different, with two different uh, belief structures. Yeah. So you can have the same thought, but with different beliefs, it's going to manifest totally. in a different way. The frequency is going to shift. Yeah. So really being mindful of that belief structure uh, and I try not to uh, have solidify it too much. So it cuts my uh, uh, experiences off my potential yeah. to experience positive uh, things. Uh, what that also, I guess, could do is it, it opens me up to the negative side. But as long as I'm keeping uh, check on it, then yeah. then it keeps me in that in that positive flow. Um, I, and I see what you're talking yeah. about as confirmation bias is just like wh right. wh what whatever our beliefs and expectations are about the world, that's kind of what we're going to manufacture to match that. We're going to be blind to things that would be disconfirming yeah. to that. But if you're aware right. of it, <laughs> right. if you're right, aware right. of your own confirmation biases, then you can, and, and you're aware of what you want. You've got the intention. I want to be more open. Right. And that leads you into those more open places. I it, think. it keeps the doors open. So you're yeah. not uh, so hyper-focused on, on the one thing, you know, yeah. and, uh, and, that, and especially in this day and the age right now, where we're going through this major transformation, uh, we're being inundated with negativity every minute, you know, the, the, the smartphones going off with, you know, all these alerts, this is happening, that's happening, yeah. you know, COVID, uh, gas prices, um, isn't it wonderful, you know, deep, Ruben? It, right, deep state. Uh, you know, but isn't it all of that negativity that's like that—that's the mechanism that's raising everybody up. That's kind it of what's is. doing it, it. It, it, it. Well, fear is a powerful tool. Let me tell yeah. you, and uh, and I I try not to make fear the motivation yeah. to take any actions because I've noticed any actions made on fear, uh, even though it may be the same action. Uh, it will lead, ultimately it'll lead down a, a very nasty path, mm. um, where I can take the same action, but if I can frame it into a, uh, positive, uh, frequency, uh, I know that uh, that's going to lead me down a positive path. I, it, uh, even though the beginning stages, it may be the exact same action. Um, so for example, right now, um, we have this idea of censorship I mentioned, you know, YouTube and whatnot is there's all this censorship going on. So we could be afraid that YouTube is, and many people are that YouTube and these other uh, platforms are going to take over the world through, uh, you know, controlling mechanisms and authority and centralization. Uh, so what do we got to do? Well, we have to be build a, a decentralized internet. And a lot of people are doing that. Uh, internet 3.0 they're doing that uh, out of fear uh, a lot of people are doing it because of the innovation and all the cool stuff that's going to come from building a decentralized internet uh, yeah it's going to keep you know the centralized cronies from controlling the world but that's kind of a byproduct when you actually look at the real innovation and all the cool stuff that can be built through a decentralized DeFi web uh it's way more exciting than oh, I got to do this. Otherwise I'm going to get, you know, 
uh, cut off from the world. No, I'm going to do this because not of all the innovative things and all the ideas and all the innovation and cool stuff that I get to make that everybody gets to take part in. And that's, it's the same action, but see how many possibilities are opened from going down the path of, I want to do this because this is cool to, I'm going to do this because I'm afraid I'm going to lose, you know, my, my, my freedoms. Yeah. So, so uh, for example, so this is how I think all of this information, a lot of this information has helped me sort of shift how I navigate through uh, reality, essentially. Yeah. How are you doing on time? We've been going for about an hour. Oh, I'm good to go a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. Because I'd, what, what I'd really like to get into, I've got a, a good friend named Tom, who's really mm-hmm. skeptical about all this stuff. He, he does this podcast with me um, and he's going to be kicking himself at this point that I haven't asked you about any of the specifics about these aliens because he's so interested <laughs> <Okay>. in aliens. <laughs> right, right. And we, we, you know, we've talked about them. We haven't really talked about them. Yeah, so sure. who, who are some of these main players and, and what are they doing? Why are they interested in us? Why haven't they right. just made themselves known if they could? Like, why is it so hush-hush? Uh, t- tell, tell me about that. Well, so here's where this, this is part of my journey that, that I've, I've, I've sort of actually gotten away from the specifics. I love talking specifics. It fascinates me, but I am not, um, I'm not going to, I don't say like this, you know, there, I can go into Palladians and Reptilians and the, in the uh, Andromedans and the Syrians and the uh, you know, all these different races, right? And they all have different attributes and uh, archetypes and different things. Um, but at the end of the day, what I challenge anybody who would like to challenge the idea of, you know, well, oh, I want to, you know, these aliens, they're real or they're not, or they're, it's all BS or it's, it's real. Actually, no, that's, uh, it, it, it's both. And they're not really, uh, there is no set. I think what happens is when we get so focused on who they are, why they're here and all these different things, we actually lose the, the, the teachings, mm. you know, we, because again, we're, we're, we're setting ourselves up for disaster in a sense. You're like, well, then prove it to me. And if they're not going to show themselves that they're real, then I'm going to throw out all that, all the good teachings and all the knowledge and all the stuff that I just, the stuff that we just talked on this podcast, I think if you yeah. take any sane person, whether you believe in aliens or not, or anything extra dimensionals, if you just like look at what we talked about, there's some really good nuggets that I think most people would agree on. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about frequency and vibration and like, listen to the, what it is yeah. going down. And they'd paths. be asking themselves, why do I need to believe in aliens to believe I, I should pay attention to it, it, my thoughts and think good thoughts and happy it, exactly <laughs> exactly and these yeah. you know i was able to get that information because i was curious and i got and there's many ways to get to that same exact information we have philosophers like you know sure. bruce lee and lao tzu and and, and plato and all these people who kind of say the same things over the years all these great thinkers and great teachers um and it's really just about what package do you do you prefer and I happen to like ETs, you know, yeah. it's, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I produced this event in 2013. There's enough evidence to, 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 for me to say that it's a real phenomenon. And I've had enough crazy, wacky experiences in my, in my life to, to, to verify that. 
not everybody's going to have that um, uh, those experiences, and not everybody's going to be coming from that direction. So, to disregard all the good teachings that and all the good information uh, just because somebody hasn't had those experiences, um, it's like what a shame. So, um, but. I love talking about the details, so yeah, uh, I'll totally and, go and there. I, but I, I just, just, I just want to add add to what you just said, Ruben. I I share your concern about focusing on details too often because I I think all of these things are symbols, and anytime you focus too much on a symbol, then you forget what the thing is symbolizing, and you start yeah. moving towards dogma, and that's yes, not anything exactly. that I'm ever interested in going. Exactly, again, exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. So that, well, I guess what I was just saying is kind of a disclaimer. You said it too, yeah. so it's. It's to, you know, we're, we're all on our own paths and it's really, it really is a, a path of self-discovery, mm-hmm. finding out what resonates, what doesn't. Yeah. Um, and I have gotten some really good information from traveling down these different paths, yeah. uh, especially the ET path. I, the, the information that I, I continue to receive and, and integrate into my day-to-day life, you know, simple stuff. How do I go to the store? Where, you know, what am I, how do I interact with a friend who may not be on the same page uh, with the belief structure or how do I interact with a friend who is on the same page? You know, what can we do? You know, so how do we, how do we navigate this reality in the best way we can and honor everybody else's journey? I think that's ultimately, no matter what belief system you subscribe to, whether you're talking to aliens or whether you're talking to God or Jesus or angels or even the devil, uh, if you can just come out with that sort of uh, 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 mindset that we're, we're all u- uniquely on our journey here. But, but since you asked, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> um, ultimately, so the, what I've come to find out is that we're being visited by many, many different civilizations. Uh, in addition to already the different energies that, you know, we're, we're in a cosmic soup here on planet Earth. It, it, it is a uh, many of the ETs talk about it as being a uh, a an experiment of sorts, um, taking different life from different uh, planetary systems, and sort of uh, we're, we're kind of like a terrarium. We just throw it all in and see see what it, happens. It's like the melting pot that, uh, that people talk about yeah. America. Like America is this melting pot yeah. where you bring people from all around the world, and here you've got all this diversity that that earth is a grand experiment with thousands yeah. of genetic signatures genetic different from everywhere signature. around the galaxy, the universe. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So there's a, there's a keen interest for many ETs to, to check in, to come in from time to time and see how the experiment's going. And, and depending on the civilization, where they're from, what uh, donation they made to, uh, to this genetic experiment, um, they might be able to reap some of the benefits, um, whether it's from their own uh, donation or from a, some other civilization. So they're constantly coming and going, uh, taking the temperature, so to say. Um, and, and humans are not the only genetic thing here. There's lots of different things here. So we're a big part of it. And there's a lot of curiosity and interest in how the human evolution is, is, uh, is evolving through all this. But I think it's just a piece of, of a much greater uh, planet Earth um, experiment that that's been going on for millennia. So um, that's sort of the, yeah, what role does reincarnation play in all of this? Because that, 
that was the thing that really, like I, I told you when I watched your interview with Wendy on yeah. Gaia, that first episode of the, the yeah. series that you it have. Was my there, first question, I think. <laughs> it, it was your first question about reincarnation. Yeah. And I just went, oh my gosh, I've never thought about the implications of reincarnation on the entire galaxy or the entire universe. Right. I've always only thought about it in terms of earth and like this linear uh, thing, right. not that, that, there would be some kind of a grand oversoul that's part of source energy that is incarnating and the different beings and different systems and different dimensions yeah. everywhere all the time. And that just blew my mind. And I thought, yeah, I, I like that way of looking. That seems much more plausible. Than yeah. Yeah. If the other totally. stories about yeah. reincarnation or aliens or anything that I've ever yeah. thought of before, um, it, so yeah, it, it connects the dots for sure. It connects the dots quite a bit. I think uh, that perspective and, and adapting that uh, that perspective into my life has really helped me navigate. It it, un, it unhooks you from a lot of the a lot of people get hung up. Uh, there's in season three. I'm actually uh, Beverly, who I was talking to you about. She's she undergoes a QHHT regression, which is um, a type of regression that Dolores Cannon came up with and it really uh is good i guess the main part about it is you go and you visit your your different lives different mm. lives on this planet and on other planets and i've had a, a couple of regression sessions myself with it and the the images that show up are are profound and uh and the emotions that come with that is pretty profound so there's definitely something there and uh i think this 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 bigger view of looking at uh, reincarnation from this sort of oversoul point of view really helps take the the burden off because so many yeah. people have these um, incredible lives and then a lot of times they're shared and then they're like why well, if I I was Cleopatra no I was oh, Cleopatra yeah. no yeah. you know you well no maybe we all have some part of Cleopatra in in this collective oversoul that we can tap into at any time and it makes sense. And I, I use the analogy of imagine if everybody on the planet was telepathic. So if um, that means if all humans were connected, uh, as some races are, um, and if I learned something, immediately everything I learned went just like into the internet, uh, went into the collective internet. So um, that that not everybody needs to know that information right now, but if they needed to know that information, they just type in the right search term. And because Ruben learned that aspect or learned that thing, they would have access to it immediately, just yeah. like our collective, our internet is sort of a, a, a good example of that as well. But so imagine uh, a, a life lived um, in a time, space time moment, uh, and all the lessons and everything. And then if, and if we uh, were all able to connect into all those lessons and all those things collectively, uh, how would we navigate in our reality? And we'd probably navigate in a much different way than we are now because we're so disconnected from that, uh, from that knowledge. Essentially, it's knowledge. Um, so, uh, and, and we, we might just because we just turn we just choose to to turn it off so we're not looking at it right now so we may navigate uh, so if you have for example if you're searching the internet and you're going through something 
and you don't type in the right search terms, you're going to find some other websites that maybe might not get you directly to what you need than if you typed in the right search terms. So in a sense, all of the information is there, all of the lifetimes, all of the different uh, lifetimes from everybody is it's there. All the information is there. This collective soup of consciousness of oversouls um, has access to any of those lives at any time. And we, uh, as individuals going through our individual daily journey, well, maybe there's something I could access. Maybe there's a past life I can access um, that when I do access it, because I'm in this individualized person thing now, when I access it, it may feel like that's me. Yeah. Because in a sense, it is. It's this collective soup of lives that we have all lived together. Uh, and and then when I feel into that now, I can say, well, that's me. Well, that was a probably also Bob, Joe, and your neighbors and everything. Sure. You know, we're all tapping into this collective, these collective experiences. And we feel the ones that resonate with us for our personal journey now that will help us move us along that personal journey. Yeah. So reincarnation, I think, is just us going into the Akash, in a sense, mm-hmm. back into this, this greater uh, soup of knowledge and taking what we need for our personal journeys right now. And to, to, we can call it, I can say it's mine and that's not wrong, but it's also yours. It's also his, it's yeah. also she, hers. And, and, and we, it's not, nobody can claim ownership over any of it, yeah. I think. You, you, you mentioned earlier that you've had experiences with ayahuasca and, and I've, mm-hmm. I've, I have as well. And the, the first ayahuasca ceremony that I sat in, that it was, it was probably about four years ago, three or four years ago, before I had started coming across any of this stuff that we're talking about today. But I had this really, this closed eye vision of all of these faces coming at me. And I was having this internal dialogue. Okay, why am I seeing this? What is this? And the response was, these are all different beings that you've been. These, these are all different incarnations that you've had. And I'm like, well, why, why are you showing me this? What does this have to do with me being right here, right now? And I said, you, you've got a lot of anger and judgment towards your parents, towards church leaders, teachers, people in your life who you feel like they've, they've wronged you and, and you've got wounds because of the way that they were. But what you don't understand is that these wounds that you have come from these other experiences as well. And yep. so you can lighten up on your parents and your teachers and these other <laughs> people. That's nice. why we're showing you this right now. And oh, perfect. I had forgotten that I had had that experience. I, like I wrote it down afterwards yep. and, and a few months yep. ago, I was reviewing those notes and I, I saw it there and it resonated so much with these things that I've heard in your interviews with people i'm like oh my mm-hmm. gosh that's so cool <laughs> so so yeah. again whether it's true or not it, the way that it helped me in my life was like okay i can drop some judgment which yep. is according to at least what what Wendy kennedy and i think probably others are saying what is the mm-hmm. whole purpose of all of this is mm-hmm. to learn how to integrate those challenging emotions integration is dropping judgment it's it's forgiving yep. it's being okay with everything that is it's recognizing that everything is part of the whole instead of the things that I like, I'll keep the things I don't like. I'm going to cut them out and get rid of them from the fabric of the universe. How's that supposed to work? <laughs> not not you know? going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. And that's, um, that's, I'm always, 
as a now, you know, filmmaker, storyteller, um, someone who's been in that world for, for a while now, uh, I'm always looking for the best story. Yeah. And I tell people, I think I, so far I'm open. I'm keeping myself open. If, if something else comes along that is better, um, I will, I will jump on it. But yeah. for now, the best story that I can find in, in, in a script form or in a, in a fiction, nonfiction, whatever it is, it seems these inner, these people and what they're yeah. saying and this channelings are, it's the best story I could, my imagination could even go there. I agree. And, yeah. and, uh, and the lessons that I'm learning from them, this whole idea of this, this reincarnation soup that we just talked about yeah. seeing these different faces of different versions that also have traumatic um, experiences, uh, some betrayal and different lives that that's instilled in our sort of in our, in our, uh, not just our bodies, but in our uh, 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 energetic fields that need to be worked out. So this, 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 uh, this Lisa Royale in her books, the, the, the golden lake, she, you know, they have this analogy of this lake, golden lake that we all come from and then we go back to mm. the lake when we die uh so if you can imagine this this lake and there's lots of different parts of the lake that need still need healing still need uh um uh there's some pollution or some you know bad mojo in there so when we come from that lake uh there's certain aspects of us that um may need still need some healing so we can go through this life and in this reality and we can try to cleanse and, and purify those uh those energies as much as we can so when it goes back to lake the next round of of souls that incarnate somewhere else there there's a little less of that heavier energy heavier density that's in there that story i think is phenomenal in explaining um things on in this realm and how you know how does that pertain to this realm how does that help us do do what we're doing well it, it explains a lot of the mechanics of how things work or how they could work. And if that, if that's not exactly how it is, well, it's helping me make the choices in my life. And like you said, in your life that we don't have to be so judgmental. We can be uh, uh, easier on our parents and, yeah. and on our, you know, our loved ones and not and navigate life with a little more joy and a little less yeah. pain and suffering. The, so I've, I've recorded four, four hours worth of, of episodes with, two of my friends um over we started with your interview with with wendy kennedy and then another wendy mm -hmm. kennedy thing we've been talking about it and the, the the girl that we've been doing this with is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and th this is this is the place where she gets stuck other i mean like she's not stuck because she still loves the stuff she's going forward but she's like i don't know that i can really look at this whole reincarnation thing as well, there's a soul contract where their soul said, Hey, I, I want to be a perpetrator. Hey, I'll be your victim. We'll make this right. agreement and we'll play this game. Um, she's like, I still, I still have a hard time really swallowing that completely. Like maybe intellectually sure. she gets it, but emotionally it's, it's hard to go there. Yeah. What, what experiences have you had as you've interacted with, with people that have been channeling and, I'm assuming that these kinds of questions have come up before and, and how have you found any kind of resolution for any of that? 
You know, yeah, it's, it's the it, suffering it, in the world, the problem of evil, you know, that. Right. That kind of yeah. It, it really comes down to the individual's journey. So it's hard to speak on behalf of anybody else because I think each one of our journeys is so unique. Um, and, and to generalize, um, which I'm going to do, but it's definitely a disservice to, to the individual's journey because each, you can't, it's, you can't really properly generalize suffering, right? That it's just, it's such a, a unique, um, individual journey and, and how we, um, process the suffering, how we, uh, what, what it, what happened in those moments, we can all agree. Uh, uh, thankfully now, most of us can agree that any type of sexual abuse is, is suffering. You know, yeah. you, there is a suffering that comes from it and that it, it just shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't happen on this planet. It's some and, pretty and gross pollution in that golden lake that you were talking about. Some gross pollution. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and, and we are in a time now where, uh, specifically that, you know, the human trafficking, the, the, the sexual, uh, um, uh, abuse is, um, probably one of the biggest topics through this shift. One of the biggest things that, that, that we're working through, um, collectively to, to release, uh, that type of, of, of stuff to not release it in the sense that, saying that it's not going to happen, but uh, bring it to the surface. So, because it has been happening for so long and way more than people even realize um, that it needs to be addressed. Like before we can move collectively, there's enough of us have to say enough is enough. And that's probably one of the the most heavy um, traumatic things that's, that's left for the, for the, collective to deal with um but yeah that it's it's hard to say in that when someone has gone through such a traumatic event like that the closest i i've never had that type of uh uh, trauma the closest i've had is just being shot at Mm. uh at point blank and and not getting shot um uh but but having you know uh bullets flying at you and you know out of the blue and 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 uh getting a bullet lodged in the back of my seat, and, uh, you know, and get and, and running and, and trying to escape the, the person and the person is still chasing you with a gun and, uh, having that sort of, uh, traumatic experience. So that, that's probably the closest I can, I can see from that. Um, you know, then you're like, well, well did I invite that in? Did, yeah. did, uh, did I, how did that, why did that happen? I was, you know, just in the middle of the, the street and what, what lessons do I have to learn from that? Uh, I think um, any experience is valid. Uh, any and all experiences are valid. And the big thing I think we can ask ourselves is what can I learn from that experience? Um, so one to validate the experience that it did happen. Second is to look at, instead of taking the victim role, which is sort of the normal, the normal, uh, knee jerk reaction is we, we do take a victim role and no matter what experience it is, because it feels good to have people, uh, sympathize or empathize with you, you know, to, to, to bring them over to your corner and say, 
that was shitty. And then everybody else saying, yeah, that was pretty shitty. It actually feels good for the victim or for the per person to, to, to have that, to have that uh, camaraderie and have people, you know, uh, you, you connect over something because right. everybody can agree that it was shitty. So, um, but then to take it to the next step, okay, yes, that was shitty, but what did I learn? What can I learn from that experience? And how, what positive action can I take in my life that's going to help me uh, want, not only move on from that experience, but move on just in reality in general? And that taking that positive perspective and positive action based on that experience is sometimes why that experience happened in the first place. In because we can take a negative action and, and, and wallow in the sorrow and be and, and become more of a victim and have other people um, you know come over to our camp and then we're all you know uh, singing kumbaya with with uh, you know in hate and, and shame and, and right. just keep going down that that negative spiral or we can say okay what positive actions can I take from this experience and that's going to be different and unique for each person um, but that positive action could lead to some really extraordinary places yeah. uh, if, if taken. And, and it's going to, again, depend on the person and the thing. Um, and then, then maybe uh, down the road, 10 years down the road, you, you'll look back at that experience and like, oh, my God, I'm so glad that happened because it's yeah. led me to where I am now. And I think that's kind of how the universe works. Yeah. And, and why these things happen in this way. Um, eventually we'll get to a place where collective humanity won't need these negative suffering events to trigger us into a positive reality. But there is still, we're seeing it right now. We're seeing, uh, as we were saying earlier, all this negative stuff is pushing us into a direction that we want to go. A lot of people don't need that. But a lot of people still do because they're not going to take any type of positive action until some detrimental negative thing finally kicks them in the ass and says, this is the path you're supposed to be on. Get the hell over there and enough is enough. And that's, I think, when these some of these uh, horrendous things happen is it's just we need them to happen to get us get us on the right path. Yeah. And it, and it gets, it gets tricky when we talk about needing to have them happen or even wanting to have them happen, know, you know, that, from know. that, that perspective of saying at, at the source energy level where there's omniscience and omnipotence, there's also omni boredom, boredom or whatever that would be like, like all <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bo just bored of everything because you know, everything you're not surprised by right. anything. You want to have new novel experiences. And so you create yeah. this three-dimensional experience where you don't remember sure. you think that you're a separate yeah. individual and you can hurt, hurt people and harm people in ways that are just absolutely horrific and I, yeah. I I think why why in the world would anything choose to do that and then I I kind of look at the way that we entertain ourselves now you know like mm -hmm. we we, sh we we can write any kinds of stories that we want to I remember this is one of the big criticisms that a friend of mine had with Game of Thrones why she would not watch Game of Thrones She's like, it's a fantasy. You could have anything. Why, why bake misogyny right into it? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> right, okay, right. True. All of these horrible yep. conflicts and stuff. We're still yep. creating it in our minds and storytelling as entertainment. 
why, yeah. why wouldn't, why wouldn't that be something that if you could have the experience that isn't really a permanent experience, it's a temp temporary experience, but, but that's when, you, that's when it starts getting problematic because a victim's going to say, Oh, so you're telling me it wasn't real. It was just temporary. Thanks a lot. And I'm like, okay, I should, I should just shut up. I don't know what to say. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's all we can do in that moment. Yeah. I think all we can do is really uh, just know that that person is still processing, still on their journey, yeah. uh, dealing with, with what they, uh, with the experience that they had and, and to, um, and to just to be, again, all that person is and why I think we take the victim mode is because we're looking for camaraderie. We're looking for yeah. friendship or we're looking for someone to understand. So when you're telling them that they didn't have the experience or that they, mm. you know, the, the, the misery that they're feeling is, or that you wanted it, you asked for it. You were complicit. Yeah, in yeah, it. it was part of a soul that. contract. You agreed to it. Right. Right. And, and that's goes in direct opposition of, of the frequency feel. and vibration of that state. Right. Yeah. So you're going to come up with some resistance for sure. So yeah. the best thing to do is, is uh, you know, I think uh, uh, Bashar said this too, that there's a different, the difference between empathy and sympathy is empathy is you're actually, um, you know, you're offering emotions, you're sort of empathizing where you're seeing their perspective of how they see the world and you're empathizing with them. Um, but you're not necessarily going over to that, uh, to that state of mind. You're just simply, you can see it, you can acknowledge it. And you're like, you're offering them a hand. Mm -hmm. When you sympathize with someone, you're going full there and you're not offering them any other direction out because now you're, you're wallowing the sor sorrow with them and there's no, there's no uh, hand out. You're just sitting there and you're, you're in it. And mm -hmm. for the, for the victim, both are going to feel good. So try to focus more on the empathy, offer the hand if they want it. If not, I understand your perspective, the hands there, whenever you need it, I'm going to yeah. step back a little bit because I cannot go into that land. I've been there. Those are the trenches. They do not yeah. feel good. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah I, I, I think she wouldn't mind me telling you this story. I think you'll find this interesting. She, she told me this just, just today, actually, that mm. she's, she has suspected um, or, or she's had like these dreams where she wakes up and she's paralyzed and just like really bad nightmares. And uh, the, the, the woman who reads her Akashic record for her told her that it was alien abductions that was actually mm -hmm. going on and that um, she's being taken up to the ship but not to be worried about it because it's part of like a soul contract, anything that happens like that she's agreed to. Yeah. And so she thought about that and it's changed. It, it's taken the fear out of these experiences. And the last time she had one of these dreams, instead of being terrified by it, she was curious and she started to see more. She started, she like saw herself being like levitated up to a ship and up, up almost mm. to the point where she could was getting on it. And then it was, too frightening for her and she dropped it. But um, mm. so, so it, at least that perspective of a soul contract and that these are your friends um, yep. helps take the sting out, helps take some of that fear out and gets her a little bit more comfortable about what's going on. Even if it is just sleep paralysis, she feels better about well, it. Well, that was the motivation for the series. One of the major motivations was uh, at the time I was producing the hearings, um, I was going to, uh, 
ET meetup groups for um, people who have been abducted, abducted, you know, um, therapy groups. Mm-hmm. Um, though I have no conscious memory of anything like that, I was just so fascinated with with these experiences these people were having. So I'd go and sit in on these these wow. uh, therapy yeah. sessions, yeah. and I'd um, talk to these people afterwards and then interview them in a sense. And uh, Wendy used to come to. We'd have uh, ET meetup groups at my office in um, in in the marina every uh, once a month. And Wendy would come, and she'd explain that she was. Uh, uh, I didn't even know she was a channel at the time. She was explaining mm-hmm. about her different experiences and 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 being taken and stuff. And then she said in one of the meetings, um, she said, "Well, you know, it's a soul contract." And it was like when that when she said that, it was like a big light bulb went off in my head, and I'm like. What so contract? What is that? Tell me more. Yeah, I want to know what is that. And then she started explaining. I'm like, oh my god, that makes so much sense because at the time I couldn't logically um, figure out. Well, if these aliens were so malevolent and so uh, um, evil, why would they even bother putting these people back in their beds? You know, they could just take them, (laughs) do whatever they want. And like launch them out into space. Like it's way easier to do that. Put a little mint on their pillow afterwards. Like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, exactly. You know, er erasing the traumatic memories. And that seems to me that just was like, that's a lot of work for, for if if you're a malevolent being and you don't care about anybody, why go through that trouble? Like, so, um, so it did, like I couldn't make sense. Like a lot of the people were, uh, uh, especially in the fear-based UFO camps, were just like they're all evil and they're all like demons and blah blah blah. And I was like, that just doesn't make sense. I don't know. But then when 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 Wendy said that, it it that's that's what piqued my curiosity. And then she said, yeah, I channel these beings called the Palladians. And I'm like, okay, we gotta do, we gotta, you know, let's let's start let's start getting that on film. And that was sort of this, the beginning of the journey. And 2014 actually was when the first interview with Wendy mm. and Nora, uh, mm. I started. I started with them because uh, they would both come to my to my meetup groups. Daryl Anka uh, would also come too. I didn't even know he was a channeler. He, he wow. said, uh, "Yeah, he, they, they, all these people came to my my ET meetup groups, and they would say, yeah, we've had some experiences.' You know, having no idea <laughs> who they were or how deep they went." Um, and then later discovering, oh my God, I was hanging around you guys, not even knowing uh, uh, what what kind of stuff you guys were tapping into. So, um, so yeah, it, it definitely shifts the. Again, it's the subtleness. It's just a, a real a slight perception or um, perspective switch that changes uh, a really heavy thing to something a little bit lighter, and it doesn't have to be so heavy. Yeah, and if we could do that with everything in our life, just that 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 slight little perspective shift. Cool. Wow. Well, Ruben, thank you so much for giving me <laughs> this last hour and a half of your time. Um, sure. I know I'm going to listen back to this and go, "Oh, I should have asked this. I should have asked this." <laughs> um, but we can always yeah, do it again. Oh, I appreciate that. That'd be that'd be yeah, great. For, so, so these sure. these people that you mentioned, like you mentioned Wendy and Daryl and Nora. Mm-hmm. I, like, are, are there places to go? Like, I, I know that each one of them probably has their own website and their own thing that they're doing, mm-hmm. but are, are there places who people who would be interested in meeting up locally with people where there would be resources they could find like-minded people? Well, uh, well, see, I, I used to, um, 
hold these these ET media <laughs> meetup groups in my office. So yeah. I kind of created my own. Um, I would assume that uh, you know, there, there's MUFON has their local groups, which is uh, the Mutual UFO Research Something Network. Um, there are chapters, you know, throughout America that people can can go to and just to, to talk about. That's more of on a like a sightings based thing. People, yeah, share. It, seems, it seems like the channelers, like it, it's kind of a different vibe than it, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. That, but that's, I think, where you might start to find some of the people who might mm. be interested. If someone is interested in just finding out about the physical aspects of the ETs and reporting, then like myself, it leads down a path eventually of going into like, well, what's asking the bigger questions? There's more to this than than just, you know, flying saucers and, and shiny lights in the sky. So uh, so you might start there. Um you know, I would look into, you know, yoga practices, breath work, um, indigenous teachings, uh, native, native uh, ceremonial, uh, you know, not necessarily ayahuasca per se, but there's, you know, sweat lodges. I've noticed a lot of people who are into any of those things. Um, if they're not fully into the ET channeling thing yet, they're probably open-minded enough to mm. If yeah. you were to start something and have these conversations, then uh, especially now with all that's happening on the planet right now, that would be a, a good place to find some people to maybe start one of those groups. Yeah. What, what is happening on the planet right now? Are, are there like big things? Because I've, I've seen some tweets from you come by like big things are happening. I never really go and investigate what it is. <laughs> but Well, the, the biggest thing is the the on on this the the biggest thing is the shift in the consciousness right and what is that you know that that's so generic that's everything but what i see happening is uh, a total revamping of our monetary system mm. um and uh this is my personal belief based on research is that covid is a smokescreen for uh for a global financial reset that has been planned for quite some time and um and and it's sort of started to be pushed a little bit now we're starting to see that but i don't think it's going according to plan and to, to the plan for certain groups which is uh beneficial for the human race mm-hmm. and we're seeing through the crypto uh currency wave we're seeing a big move into decentralized finance, decentralized uh, internet, decentralized everything, which I do think is is sort of, when you look at the frequency and vibration of that uh, energy, that is where we're headed, I think, as a transitionary uh, monetary system to eventually not needing money at all. Mm. Um, because it, people are making fun of, what is Bitcoin? It's just nothing. It, it, well, yeah. yeah. Pretty much, I mean, so is the dollar, but at least yeah. it's even less tangible than a dollar because it's just a digital uh, thing, which, uh, you know, essentially the dollar is too, but people, you know, go from that, that they like that physical, having the physical money in their hand. So we're, we're shifting very rapidly from a physical to a non-physical universe. And, and this is the big evolutionary uh, jump that we're going to see is things are, this is the third density to fourth density shift is things are going to become less and less physical. Uh, 
mm. which makes it easier and easier to manifest. And what, what's very exciting is now when we get an idea, we can implement and execute it and it can become manifest in our reality in a much quicker way, form and fashion, uh, because we don't have all the heavy density, uh, you know, rocks and, and minerals and, and, and heavy metals that we have to mold and form and do this and, and, and to, to make anything happen in this reality. We can build things now with uh, new ideas and new ways because it doesn't have to be so physically bound to the, the universe. And uh, <laughs> I, I, can, I can imagine a time, Ruben, I, you know, as, as I'm listening to you talk about this, th- thinking about just 10 years ago, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, like how the internet has just changed things so much. And now we've got these smartphones yep. in the palm of our hand. I, it, it won't be too much longer before their implant, you know, like some kind of a microchip. I think Elon sure. Musk is even working on something like that now. Yeah. And so yeah. you talk about like in, instantaneous manifestation, which I've, I've heard Wendy yeah. and Nora talk about is the fifth dimensional experience of reality that that could be. Right everybody's brain is just directly connected to a decentralized internet where yeah. we, we our, our our lives become a mixture of not only what we're experiencing in, in the 3d world but this world of thoughts which would be mm-hmm. like some kind of, wasn't there like some kind of gaming thing called like half-life or, or something something like that where right. you, you create your avatar and you can go and you do whatever you want like just just imagine yeah. if that was what we were always plugged into, I don't know, it'd be kind of like Wally and just thinking about all this yeah. science fiction stuff. It, yeah, yeah. it really seems like that's the direction that we're going. I think even Yuval that's, Harari yeah. in, in his yeah. follow-up to the book Sapiens, uh, Homo Deus talked about that a little bit. I don't know if you're familiar with that book at all, but yeah. So I can, well, it might seem and, kind of crazy, but 20 years ago, well, 30 years ago, thinking about the internet would have been crazy too. The other thing that we, so many people are forgetting too is, the way we perceive reality now is just the human race. So again, going into disclosure, which is happening now, you know, every week we're getting new, new bombshells released through the government or, you know, through my friend, Jeremy, who's doing a lot of the big uh, leaks and stuff. Um, And the news is reporting on it. The news is accepting it, which then people who still buy into the news um, and need that confirmation are starting to buy into it. So the belief structure for aliens being real now is, is moving uh, very rapidly into having it as a belief structure. And once that structure is, is that foundation is there again, the, the possibilities it opens us up to a whole new realm of different possibilities, because once you acknowledge that ETs are real and that, that that's a possibility in your belief structure, now it's it's opening the door to Pandora's box in in, in a positive way because now uh, if you even allow that into your belief structure that aliens exist and that they could be visiting us right now, well, now that means that that's an infinite possibility of possibilities yeah. of beings from other dimensional realities, doesn't matter where they're from, can come in and give us answers to a lot of our problems yeah and and which i do in the show all the time but just collectively think of the the idea of 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 um the collective human race being open to exchange energy exchange technological exchange 
ways of doing things. Already, we're coming up with all this innovation through, um, you know, cryptocurrencies and blockchain technologies. But and that's innovating and, and and changing the way we do. We're going to do things quite rapidly. But what if there were even better ideas and things, uh, free energy devices, yeah, right, and and different kinds of things that could really help us here on Earth. Um, but the only way to have them here on Earth is to you got to believe in aliens because the aliens are going to come and talk to you and, and, yeah. and share with you these technologies until you start believing them. Yeah. Or, or the, the, the collective consciousness has to raise to a point where instant instantaneous manifestation doesn't mean I'm pissed at everybody right now and I'm going to destroy them with my thoughts. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's one of the reasons we don't have free technology, free energy technology just yet is because we're not responsible enough as a collective Mm. to hold that kind of power. Uh, and, and this has been told to me through s- some you know, military channels is uh, that's one of the main reasons why the Navy and other uh, agencies keep a lot of the technology secret is it's just, you know, not just like a dirty nuke bomb, but if everybody had access to some of these technologies and if it, it, take, there's a certain amount of responsible uh, thoughts and emotions that have that come with these technologies. So that's another reason why they're not here just yet. But I think one thing leads to another. For me, the idea of massaging my belief system to believe in aliens uh, was sort of the first step that then said, okay, if, if that's real, what's what else? If that's real, what else? If that's real, and then you start going down or up that ladder, and then you get to a to a point where you then evolve emotionally, spiritually, uh, to a point where you can uh, now have, you know, some some great device or power or something, and you're not going to use it in a negative way. You're going to use it for the benefit of, of humanity. So that's where again, again, the idea of just the the idea of ETs being real it, themselves in in a non fear based way could really help our evolution. And, uh, and it goes back again to this non-judgment of other people's beliefs and realities. It's, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's the ultimate uh, uh, race card, so to say. You know, we have all this racial tension that's going on right now. Uh, and again, I think these are just old, old wounds that certain people are putting, uh, um, you know, fires on. To, to, but they need to be stoked to get it all out of our system because you, if you have a problem with your, your neighbor's skin color, just wait till we get some of these, you know, uh, feline, blue, avian yeah. based, you know, reptilian, reptilian yeah. beings showing up in our front lawns. And you're going to, you know, you're going to get your shotgun. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay. So, or hovering through your window or your door. So we have a lot to work through um, till we get to that point where we can, uh, you know, allow the, the 10 foot tall mantis being come into our room <laughs> uh, without any judgment yeah. or yeah. fear um, and, and, and acceptance of, of what they have to, to offer us. Uh, or not, you know, and it's like, I have no mantises in my room. No, thank you. You know, and then you, you put up, you do your, your, uh, you make your, 
space and you tell the universe, no man is in my room, please. Uh, for me, I welcome them. I guess that's why they show up. Uh, <laughs> so that's another, we'll say that for part two. <laughs> have you really, you really have seen the 10 foot tall mantises in your room? Uh, I felt them in the room. I shouldn't say oh, I could wow. fully okay. see them, but right. I have had, and I've had telepathic communication from them. Well, I'll, so I'll take you up yeah. on that part too, if you're serious about it. And I'll, I'll, <laughs> sure. I'll bring in, uh, especially Shalice, who I, I referred to earlier. Okay. She really wanted to be on this with you, but she couldn't today. So um, oh, yeah, cool. that'd be cool to do another one. Awesome. Very cool. Right. Very cool. Well, thank you once again, well, Ruben. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Glenn. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ruben. It was really nice to meet you. I'll stay in touch. All right. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Hey there. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Now, I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I have more to say about this topic, and I'm going to do that with a follow-up behind-the-scenes sharing time episode on Patreon. So, if you're in a position where you can throw me a few dollars each month to support the work that I put into creating this podcast, please come and support me on Patreon, where you'll also get access to additional content. Did you know that I also create sharing time episodes that are available only to Patreon subscribers? I've been doing that for a few years, so there's a lot of content there that you can have access to. So please come and support this podcast if you can. I greatly appreciate it. Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. If you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? And don't forget to head over to the website to fill out the new survey. My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes and take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts float past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down on such a night. Choosing love when I pick up this night.